bang, zoom, smash. The Dub Talk podcast contains strong language and uh, adult content. Viewer discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. Zoom. It also contains spoilers for any and all anime, including the pet girl of Sakura. So I drew pictures. Um, I just spoiled you right there. So sorry. Pow, pow, bang. Also, the opinions within are those of the individual participants and do not represent dub talk as a whole. Wah, tears. Wah, 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 wah. All that being said, please enjoy the show. It's one of my favorites. We'll take you over to the opening. Here we go. Love you guys. What's happening, friends, fans, and fam, and welcome to another episode of Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of forever friends get together to discuss the latest and greatest English anime dubs. My name is Gigi, and I'm joined by my sister from another mister, Miss Megan. My cat isn't in here. I was going to have her squeak into the mic, but she is currently lounging around with my dad, the little traitor. (laughs) It's all right. She's here in spirit. (laughs) And uh, tonight I'm proud to be hosting a Patreon request episode. (laughs) Every quarter, anyone who pledges in the $10 tier on Dub Talk's Patreon gets to choose our fates, as it were, by requesting an anime to do a show on. And tonight is brought to you by our good friend Carly Lestica. What up, girl? Thank you so much for supporting us and for choosing this anime, which is honestly in my top 10 of all time. It's The Pet Girl of Sakura So, which aired in 2012 and was licensed by Sentai Filmworks, but just got a brand new English dub in 2020. Yay, I'm so excited for this one, Megan. I'm so excited to do it with you. The power of bitching at anime companies. You know, I always kind of like rolled my eyes at the people in the Sentai comments who are like, dub to love Rue, dub to love Rue, dub to love Rue. And then they did it and it was really great. And I was like, I could have been saying dub the pet girl of Sakura. So this whole time (sighs) we would have gotten this and I, I'm mm, sooner probably. Oh, well, I love it. It's cool. Hey, it happened. (laughs) Uh, In case you ignored the spoiler warning and want to jump into this podcast blindly, here's a little synopsis for you, which I wrote. I didn't steal it from Mal, like I'm known to do. Uh, Serata Kanda is a cinnamon roll who found a stray cat and brought him into his high school dorm. Little did he know, one little fur baby would change his high school days forever. You see cats aren't allowed so he is quote unquote banished to the dorm for art students and problem children sakura hall where he is thrown in with a group of ragtag misfits that run around doing basically whatever they want his goal is to escape the dorm but once a new student named mashiro arrives who's very quiet and ridiculously talented his goals just might change even if his new friend can't really do much for herself and the residents of sakura hall adopt her as their pet this is a story of friendship, love, and pain. Oh my god, the pain. Yes, you will cry. Oh, and it's uh, brought to you by the same studio and author who brought you Toradora and Golden Time. So put on your school uniforms and get ready for another day with the kids of Sakura Hall. Not the kids in the hall. That's another show. If you're cultured enough to get that reference, put a, put a thumbs up emoji in the comments. 
I was gonna say, the, the weird thing is, like, I was kind of on the fence about watching this besides you recommending it to me, and then another good friend of mine, uh, who I call N1, goes, Megan, I'm surprised you haven't watched Sakura, so you like things by, uh, Atsuko Ishizuka and Mario Kata. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I blind bought it. <laughs> Heck yeah! <laughs> yes, you should. I own the old version with the subtitles. Uh, the new version will come eventually because uh, High Dive, as of this recording, doesn't have the last four episodes up. Rip. So I'm going to fake it. <laughs> Shh, no one can know. And rely on Megan entirely. Ding! <laughs> for those last four. Oh my god. This show hurts me so much. It hurts me. It's just like, on the one hand... This show has a point of being a little too horny. On the other hand, <laughs> immense emotional pain. <laughs> like, and I honestly didn't remember any of the thirsty parts. I was like, oh my god, this show is so painful. Which is a big for you. <laughs> I know. Usually I remember those because I'm not a big fan servicey person. And when I watched it the first time, I was just like, I couldn't stop watching it. Like I literally sobbed myself through from the Christmas episode to the end. And uh, this time I almost sobbed myself through the Christmas episode to the end. I did take a break in between. I, on the other hand, just decided to watch it all at once Oof! and somehow managed to survive. Girl, you're the real MVP. <laughs> if somebody's like, how the fuck did you watch all of this in a day? I'm like, well, my back hurts really bad and sitting up sucks. Might as well. <laughs> I was like laying in my bed and I was watching. I watched like the first two episodes with the boyfriend and then he like tapped out and I was like, all right, well, it's just me and my emotions to watch the rest of this. And then I was going to watch it with him last night. And he was like, you know, they stopped the dub at episode 21, don't you? And I was like, no. I was like, what do you mean they stopped the dub at episode 21? He's like, it's not up yet. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I was like, well, up 20 it is. And then I subtitled the rest of them. But that's good because I get a good comparison and I like doing that anyways. Yes. Um. So yeah, this anime is part of like the Holy Romance trilogy from JC staff in like the early 2000s. That was like early 2010s. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. I don't have no concept of time anymore. None of us do. Like, thanks. Mm. Thanks, human malware. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, but I know that this is my favorite out of the three. If I had to rank them, like, in the order that I like them, it would be Pet Girl Sakraso, then Golden Time, then Toradora, which is blasphemy for pretty much anybody else. But I don't really care for Toradora. Uh, I've never seen the other two. <laughs> um <gasps> Oh, good. Well, I literally just blitzed my way through Golden Time. So I'm going to be making a lot of comparisons because they're like in the same wheelhouse. Um, so speaking of the same wheelhouse, our directing and our writing team, the director is different from Golden Time, but our writer is the same. So our director for the Pet Girl Soccer Show is John Swayze. He's directed such other trash fests as Domestic Girlfriend. Woo! Uh, and he's also done Review Starlight and After the Rain. And our writer is Marta Bechtal, who did Food Wars, Made in Abyss, and the aforementioned Golden Time, which if you listened to the Golden Time podcast, my biggest downfall of that anime was the writing in the dub. Awful. Awful 
writing. Uh, but luckily, this one's not as bad. Yeah, no, I I didn't really feel like there was any stupid writing issues. I felt like this was really solid. It had a lot of it had a lot of funny little moments and kind of some slang. Like I know there's one part later. I think it's a uh, episode twenty one, aka the uh, hey hey there heart. There's a there's a road roller right here, and Dio Brando's got it. Uh. <laughs> right into your feels. Um, hurts me. There is your one obligatory JoJo's reference. Now fuck off. Um, there was a part where uh, after Nanami cries, she goes, "My face looks all grody." To uh, Sorita. That's in the sub too. Oh, she she does say grody. That's in the sub. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, this seems like really faithful because I noticed when I was trying to make a gif of my favorite part. Of the entire anime, and that is uh, Rita grabbing Dragon by the hand. And the lines were almost exactly one-to-one what was in the the dub. But it didn't feel like it was really stiff at points. I would say that the direction on this is a little hit or miss. There are some performances in the, the kind of smaller side characters and ensemble. That can be a little flat. And just the way that the show itself works... Having a main character like Mashiro, who starts out as incredibly emotionless and grows into her emotions, there are some times that I think that the actress who plays Mashiro wasn't directed that well through certain parts, and there's two really big ones that I'd like to talk about, but I'll get to that when we talk about that character. But overall, I felt like this was really solid, I especially the second half of the dub. Once you get into, I think, like, what is honestly the better half of the show, which is the second Mm -hmm. half, where things that are set up in the first half actually have, like, payoff, and the actors, I think, have more meat to what's going on, which starts around, I think, starts to me around when they start doing the school festival. Yep. That's when I think a lot of the actors who are, I I don't want to say are, like, doing bad, but maybe aren't as on top of their performance as... Some of the other characters, there's, there are some characters that come out of the gate absolutely swinging where you're invested in their performance day one. Um, those guys start picking up in the second half. And then overall, just because I don't have experience in the sub, but I have, again, a couple of friends who do, a lot of them actually felt like this casting was very much like what they expected it to be. Except for, I know I was talking to my friend N1, he expected Nanami and uh, Misaki to be switched. But everything else, he was like, yeah, no, that's what I predicted years ago if they were going to dub this. So maybe in this case, maybe you could say the casting is a little bit too safe for a Sentai dub. Because this does have a lot of your big like Sentai heavy hitters in it. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't make it necessarily a bad directing or casting thing. It's just like you have to sometimes you, you, you take the safe option and it works. Like, there are plenty of Funimation dubs that work that way. Yeah, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised because after the train wreck that was Golden Time, at least in the first quarter of it, which, again, I'm going to bring it up because I got to bring it up because these anime are connected. So, and I literally watched them back to back. There's going to be comparisons between them. But that, oh my God, the first like seven episodes of Golden Time was rough. This one came out swinging right out of the gate. I was like, holy shit, Greg Ayers. Wow, I have really missed you. And I was like, holy shit, Lucy Christian. Like, 
I know she's Ochako and My Hero Academia or whatever, but I've been kind of struggling with the stuff that I've personally watched to find like a really good Lucy Christian role. Like when I talk about her, I'll name the ones that I normally think of her as. But I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, I really liked a lot of the casting and I'm okay with it being kind of Sentai, you know, classic, good old classic Sentai. Um, Just because I don't feel that we've had a good old classic sentai dub for a while like oh yeah definitely like these are like old school actors and they're doing what they do best and i'm really glad that they brought their talents to this anime because i like it so much but also because of like the heavy hitting stuff that it gets to in the second half which is all about failure and rejection and you're like oh my god these these poor little cinnamon rolls are gonna hurt they're gonna hurt bad can these actors make it sound like they're hurting and um they did um the writing to me it did feel very very close to the original material but it worked in this case i know it didn't work the last time but this kind of worked because it didn't feel stilted like maybe and this has something to do with the acting and the directing of everybody too where the actors brought conversationality to all of the lines which really helped like it really the one thing i didn't like was that um sorta's uh nickname from misaki is uh kohai in the japanese so she calls him youngster throughout the whole anime. And I was like, that is a weird choice. I know like it's like almost direct translation. Like what else can you call a Kohai? Like little bro. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Little bro would have been really out of place. Yeah, especially with his younger sister who's there constantly. Who's the actual worst character in the show. Oh, the worst. The worst. But, like, it, it's very faithful. I can only think of, like, a handful of times where it wasn't pretty much a direct translation. But it worked in this case. There's also a lot of, like, on-screen text that sometimes is read and sometimes is not read. So... You have to like keep up with it when you're watching this because if you're not paying attention and they're not going to read all the texting that yeah. um, Ryu does or you know that the guys do back and forth like sometimes they read it and sometimes they don't it's a choice uh, but I will tell you that my favorite choice that this dub made was uh, Nanami is from Osaka and if you're a uh, seasoned anime viewer you know that the typical Osakan accent for English dubs is Southern. How you doing, y'all? I'm from Osaka. <laughs> y'all, I got my spurs and my cowboy hat on because I'm from Osaka. Is this chicken of the sea? Is that tuna or is that chicken? Oh, shit. Mm. I'm from Osaka. And we say roll tide. <laughs> roll tide? <laughs> As you as you all know, Osaka is the Alabama of Japan. Oh my god. I just I Not really. No. I don't think people in Osaka fuck their cousins. Ouch. I will not apologize for being a dick to the state of Alabama. They know what they did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well that's the normal like Osaka dialect in an English dub is Southern, right? So Nanami's studying to be a voice actor. I I like this part a lot. She instead of having a southern accent in the English dub has a uh has a Boston accent, and it comes out when she gets flustered and fucking angry, and it is the best thing I ever heard. <laughs> she whenever Natomi gets upset, she yells at Boston Sports Radio and tells you that, and tells you to go get her some Duncan. 
I was like, whoever made that choice, thank you. It's probably John Swayze. Thank you so much for that wonderful choice that happened there because- Soata, I need you to go get some Duncan for me. <laughs> we go into Boston, we get into cars. Get the- like, oh my Soata, God. Soata, I need you to park but- the car and have it yad. Let's go over the bridge with little Carlos and get some cannolis. I was like, oh. They departed. They departed. <laughs> Larry Bird. I Thank you for all five people who know what that's a reference to. I, I don't. So thank you, five people. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, that is such a good choice. I like, I applaud it because I was... Once I heard she was from Osaka, I was like, okay, well, she doesn't have a Southern accent to start out with. And so I was like, okay, well, she's trying to be a voice actress. Oh, good. So she should be losing the accent. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I wonder if the accent's ever going to pop out. And there it was. And I was like, yes. But then, like, as the show goes on, like, it fades. Like, oh, what a good choice. I, I love that choice a lot. That was probably my favorite thing. It is a very... Originally, it was like, this is really bad. And then I was just like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, once you get the context behind it, you're like, oh, shit, there it is, fam. Um, but I think it I think it really worked. I liked a lot of the casting choices for the main characters. Very kind of classic Sentai. It was kind of felt like a throwback to me. So I was... I was happy with it. And like I said, the writing didn't feel too stilted. It actually kind of worked for me because the directing and the acting complemented it. So I feel I feel better about life now. I was so worried once I saw the cast and the crew for this. And I was like, oh, no. One thing I, I do want to say before we move on is I really want to give credit to like the main core cast of the house, uh, the Sakura Hall cast. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I could do is they very believably like in their the way that they talk in their voices, you would 100% believe that these people are friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they all kind of sound, like, age-appropriate, too. Yes, they don't sound... Except... Except for who? <laughs> except for the British girl. Chip, chip. <laughs> chip, 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 now, let's have a spot to tea. Well, actually, we're going to talk about her next, so actually... <laughs> That was a good segue, me. Good job, past me. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chiru. I'm going to drag that dragon out by the dick. Oh gosh! Tonight on offensive accents, the South, Uh, Boston, the British. We get some French in there. Like, oh, Eiffel Tower, baguette. French. Le poisson, le poisson. He he he. Omelette right, du fromage. <laughs> <laughs> On Gigi and Megan's bad accent corner. Uh, but this accent wasn't so terrible. Uh, we have Miss Rita Ainsworth, who is Mashiro's roommate from England, who comes multiple times to Japan to try and... Mostly to get that dick. Yep, to try and get her to come back to England and also because of Ryu Akasaka, aka the dragon, who is pretty much a shut-in for the first half of the anime. And then by the time he gets out, he's like, oh, it's not so bad to go outside, get some sun, see the daylight. He's a computer programmer. Oh shit, is that a lady? Freaks out. Oh, he hates girls too. Like, it's pretty... Yeah, he's afraid of them. It's pretty funny. Um, Rita Ainsworth, who has the British accent, uh, is played by Skylar Sinclair, who's also played Hatsume Aoba in Release the Spice, 
Eve Wakamiya in Bang Dream Season 2 and Mayuko Sato in Just Because. And Ryu Akasaka is played by my boy. Yes! Blake Shepard. Blake Shepard? Who plays Soma in Food Wars, Iki in Amnesia, and the love of my life, Laito Sakamaki in Diabolic Lovers. <laughs> Rita rolls up, call me bitch Chan. <laughs> Hello. Hello, hello, love. Can you call me bitch? Can you call Chan? me They say bitch that in Japanese anime. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. Uh, fun fact: Ryu in Japanese is actually voiced by a woman. Yes, and it's Yui Hori, who's like one of my favorite Japanese voice actresses of all time. Fun fact: she is also the maid in the Japanese, but it's credited as question mark question mark question mark. Is she really? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, Switch also be uh, shout out to Holly uh, Sagusa as the maid. She was fucking great. Yeah, she was very funny. Uh, I was, I was like, yeah, that's adorable. But uh, oh man, Rita and Ryu, they're pretty adorable. I don't know, man. I really, I really enjoyed their chemistry. And the one thing that I will say about Skylar's performance is. Boy, was I not expecting a British accent. In the Japanese, they don't even try. It's just like Japanese. Well, yeah, it's just flat because it's really hard to tell if they're doing an accent because I don't know what a Japanese person doing a British accent sounds like. I don't either. But like, Can anyone find us one? Please link in the description below where you call us like stupid and shit. <laughs> the one where you talk about the sexist garbage series? Yeah. yeah put, put, put it there. We know who you are. Thanks. But uh, no, one of the things I really appreciate is I actually like it better that Ryu is played by a male actor in English. Because when I went to go make the gif of Rita kissing Ryu at the airport, I felt like it was too feminine for his age. Like, I get it. The joke is that Ryu does kind of look like a girl. I get that's a joke. At one Mm -hmm. point, they do stick him in a dress. And I actually thought it was a different character. (laughs) But no, one of the things I like about it is like... This is, like, the nastiest Blake I've heard in a while. I know, I know we've got the tried and true nasty boy in his nasty boy booty shorts. But Lito is, like, the sexy nasty boy that you're like, hell yeah, baby, I'll jump into your cum dumpster. Um, or I'll be your cum dumpster. I can't believe I've said that, but... Twice. Wait for the Gleepner episode, everybody. I will be unabashedly awful. <laughs> Sorry, Marissa. Um, but the thing is that, like, he's so blunt and straightforward because I like the idea that it's not that he's emotionless, it's that he views emotions as, like, a bug to the human condition because he's masking how much he's been hurt. Because when Rita asks Maid what happened and she lets it out that Ryu was. Ryu is the type of character I think I like because I see so much of myself, me and him, in that I can also be overly harsh when I don't think somebody's working as hard as me and be kind of a dick about it. And I also don't like to leave my room. (laughs) Ryu is my favorite character in the show. Aw, yay! But I think that Blake gets that across that, like, he's not malicious on purpose. He's malicious because he's afraid of, like, getting close to others. And by the end of the show, he genuinely cares. Yes. He he does like his friends. 
And he does soften up because he's a lot less blunt and he's a little bit more soft in his talking. Like, his first line that you hear from when he comes out of his root is, Can you please shut up? You sound like mating animals. And that's about as blunt as you can get. And then by the end, like, where where him and Rita are outside, he goes, it, like, you can hear, like, he doesn't really want to go inside because he knows he's going to start being emotional and he doesn't want the others to see it. To which also the delivery of is, yeah, by now Ponytail started crying. Cut to Nanami bawling her fucking eyes out. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for that sure joke did. show. And then on the <laughs> contrast, I don't know a lot of Skylar's work. No, neither do I. No offense, Bang Dream terrifies me, and I play the phone game. Okay, look, I'm just gonna be real. Kokoro from Bang Dream is like my nightmare sleep paralysis demon. (laughs) She freaks me the fuck out with her goddamn CGI spaghetti hair and giant golden eyes that peer into my soul in the bad way. I don't know a lot about Bang Dream. I like the girl who wears the marching band hat all the time. Which what is Is she blonde and short? No, she's tall and dark haired. Oh, um. She's in the band with the, the animal mascot. Yeah, I know. That's. Kokoro is also in that uh, in that band. She's their leader. Oh, shit. The, the little God fucking sleep paralysis demon is their leader. Ugh. Um. I'm sorry to every Kokoro stand, but Kokoro is a fucking demon. It's, uh. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Karu. You like Karu, but then again. Karu is like every lesbian Utena dream girl. Yeah, that's, you know, that's my type. So why, why stray? <laughs> I mean, also Michelle is great too, because she's just a girl who's like, I, I can't fucking do this. Fuck this noise. And she's stuck in there. Eve is one of the girls on pastel palettes who is like the cute puffy poppy girl group. Oh, okay. I can see it. Yeah. They also do the cover of um the first crystal opening in that game. The first Sailor Moon crystal oh. opening is the fun game. Anyway, this isn't anything about soccer, so I just need to go on a bang room ramp. And remember, kids, Kokoro is a sleep paralysis demon. But um, <sighs> do I think the accent work is some of the best British accent work I've heard? No, not really. No. Is it suitable? Yes. Is Skyler's acting good even yes. through it? Absolutely. I think she was a little bit rough to start off with because the British accent was so very much like Julie Andrews is about to come fuck up this house. And let's be real, if Mary Poppins showed up to Sakura Hall, things would be a little less wild than they are now. Still weird, but- And a lot cleaner. Yes. And the cats would be dancing in little outfits. Um, But I think for me, the scene that Skylar needed to nail is when Ryu calls her out about how she feels about Mashiro and, and that she's being selfish and weak right. for saying it's Mashiro's fault for giving up art. And I think that she nailed it and I genuinely felt my heart tug at that. And I think Blake did the better job between the two of them, but like, these are two, Blake's a really great performance and Rita's is really good. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Like, I heard the British accent in the preview and I was like, who the fuck has a british accent in this anime because i forgot rita existed and i was like oh okay like i was very confused because first i thought it was her mom because i had forgotten and i was like okay that sounds about right for a mom and then i was like oh she's her roommate are they supposed to be the same age like with the accent it sounds a little older but it works because Rita's kind of like a character character anyway and um it's at this point where Sakura so needs to have some some comedy injected into it despite the thirsty fan servicey comedy which some people like some people don't and I'm just like forgot it existed 
Uh, but I think that it helps to just bring a little bit of levity because you don't really expect to hear somebody speaking in a British accent. I thought she did pretty good. Like I said, it was very Mary Poppins for me, but it worked. I mean, Mary Poppins, I think, probably would fit in at Sakura Hall. She is kind of a misfit. I mean, everybody loves her. What the fuck is wrong with all of you? Ah, yes. Another episode will ruin by singing Disney songs. I love it. You love it. Why break from tradition? You Uh, put the two biggest Disney heads in the episode. It's true. I'd say we'd count three with Noah's here, but Noah's like obligatory Disney head, but he hates it. (laughs) Poor dude. One day we're going to drag him down with us. Anyway, back to things of cultural merit. Um, but no, I didn't know this was Blake Shepard. Dude, Blake Shepard's my boy. Like, it didn't sound like him because it didn't sound, and this is going to sound bad, but it didn't sound thirsty like Blake Shepard to me sounds when he's in most dubs because I watch the ones where Blake Shepard is the thirsty boy, literally in Diabolic Lovers, where he thirsts for blood and in, you know, Amnesia, where he's thirsting for girls. And I'm just like, you know, I watch him in in food wars and i still get kind of like oh that's blake shepherd but here i was like who is that actor when you said he's thirsty for girls and amnesia he's the guy that got drunk and showed up at her house yes okay yes okay yeah <laughs> he's thirsty for booze of one kind or another Oh my god. But I was I was really surprised by his acting here because it's not like the type Cassie Blake Shepard character that he would play. And that made me really interested. And also the fact that in Japanese Ryu is played by a woman and I was like, how are they gonna do this? And it just it doesn't sound like the Japanese at all, which I really liked the choice that they made with that. Not that it's bad in the Japanese because it's not, no, it's but not. I it's liked that like, it was different. I, I tend to be really weird about like women playing men. It just depends mm-hmm. on like in most cases I actually genuinely like it. There's just a couple times where like it doesn't click for me. Uh the, the biggest example for me to do this is uh I think Rie Takahashi is a great seiyu. I fucking can't stand the fact that she's like three different characters in Blood Blockade Battlefront because they're all related to each other and two of them are men. Or like in Villainous where they made all of the male voice actors push their voices to be the little kids instead of just getting the women like they did in the Japanese. Right. It's a it's a hard line to tread, but I'm happy for the choices that were here. Um, also, I liked Skylar's acting. Like Skylar could act her way around this. To the point where once the anime ended, I like shipped them together. Not the actors, but the characters. And I was like, this is a good ship. I like how this is sailing. Yes, good. It made me really happy. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And like when she kept getting her heart broken, like that was kind of devastating. But Ryu came around in the end, like a good dragon should. And she got her comeuppance at the end because she embarrassed him at the airport and everyone was happy. Yes, the entire airport cheered. (laughs) That's what I want out of life. That entire airport was full of thirsty Japanese people. I want people to cheer for me in the airport one day. That's living the dream. It's literally just going to be me screaming because I'm a good (laughs) best friend. And I will be, do you need some giant fat asshole to come scream and cheer for you at the airport when you get with your lover like a bad Hollywood movie? Call Megan. She'll do it. 50 bucks. But if you're my friend, I'll do it for free. (laughs) 
If you're a stranger, not nah, fam, that service comes with it. Pay up. Also, plane tickets must be provided. We're all hopping on the Magical Express. Megan just starts cheering for random shit over and over again. Oh shit, you sat down! Woo! Yeah! yeah! That's so great! Your kid vomited on the Matterhorn! Yeah! That's right, little Timmy. That's how Timmy. we live our lives, That's guys. That's right, little Timmy. Your balloon fall away. Woohoo! <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I give up in the best way. Oh, but you know what? We could give up in the worst way because the next character up is Yuko. Uh... Yuko Kanda. Mm. And uh, I'm going to pair her with uh, Chihiro Sengoku. Yuko Kanda is Sorata's little sister. The worst character in the show. Ugh, her brother complex is just like worse than brother's conflict brother complexes. I just can't with her. She's a little gremlin, but not a cute little gremlin. She's just there to annoy. And then we have Chihiro Sengoku, who I guess is basically me when I was single, who's a teacher who gets drunk all the time and hangs out with with everybody she lives with because she has nothing better to do she's she's that art teacher who's just like all right just draw a dick and be done with it we'll put it on the refrigerator that's fine give me my beer i just love that source is always like you shouldn't be drinking in front of your students she's like in what country <laughs> she gives no fucks man she's like trolling for uh single fathers and she's like well i didn't find any single ones but i found some married ones and i was like yep that's that's the tea right there sweetheart let's be real there's one person that she wants and he's being kind of a little coward about it yeah i noticed that too and i was like is this gonna ship is this gonna happen i think it kind of did at the end i think so too but he was kind of being like a little a little quiet about it. You got to be a little a uh, little more forceful for the drunk girl because it takes us a lot. Beat your drum. It takes us a lot to notice anything, you know. You know how it be. Uh Yuko Kanda is played by Brittany Karbowski. Oh my gosh, Brittany, who is played Yamada in Yamada's first time. And then the other two strange roles that I always associate Brittany Karbowski with, um which is Ayu in Canon 2006. Ugu. Yeah, that's her. And then the real one that I associate Brittany Karbowski with, which if you've seen this, raise your hand, is Ku Shiratori from Shattered Angels. Oh boy. Yeah, don't watch it. But if you've seen it, you'll understand why I always will associate Brittany Karbowski with this. Um, and Chihiro Sengoku is played by Olivia Swayze, who's the director's daughter. Uh, she also plays Arisa Ishino in Real Girl. Maya Tendo in Release the Spice, and Haruno in My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu. Karen Tendo? Uh, I thought that was Review Starlight. Was it? It could also be that. <laughs> uh, Review Starlight, Maya Tendo. Is that what I said? I said Release the Spice, didn't I? Yeah, you said it's Release Review the Starlight. Spice. My B, I've never seen either okay, of them. Okay, Review Starlight is 100% your jam because it is literally Utena's like, stage fighting musical. You know, but I kept falling asleep through the first episode. So I was like, I don't know about it. Like, I would get to the part where they're in the dream sequence and somebody's falling and then I'd be like, zonk. So I was like, ah, I hope it's okay. But I just never, I never watched it. I never it. finished it. Um, <laughs> eh, eh, you know. But the music is fucking great. There's an entire episode dedicated to um, Maggie Fluctuay's little girl having a lesbian freak out over Brittany Karbowski. Oh my god. And there's a jazzy little baseball number. It's the best. 
Isn't there a rhythm game based on that? Yes. Did it get shut down? No. Yet. Yet. Oh no, it was it's not a rhythm game. It's a it's like FGO with review Starlight. And yes, it's still no. going. No. Um, I only know fucking anime if they have games attached now that I could play on my phone. Actually, that Japanese people can play on their phone because America sucks. Where's my hypnosis microphone game? God damn it. Anyway, now that that's out of my system. Okay, I love Brittany Karbowski. She is like in my top three English voice actresses ever. Holy shit, did they make Yuko annoying. Like to the point where I had to turn the volume down on the TV. And that's not her fault, but holy God. I was like, please stop talking. She was really good acting wise. It was really good because Yuko's annoying as shit. But I was just like, Brittany, I love you. It hurts. (laughs) I don't know what to say. It hurts. And she's so, Yuko's so thirsty for her brother. And there's so many inappropriate scenes in there. Like it literally like hurt to listen and to watch it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you're doing a really great job. But I can't. Just I'll get to it when you're done. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty much done with her. Oh, what about the teacher? Oh yeah, the teacher. Um, she was okay. Like I was, I was very confused because it's not often that you hear, and I don't know how old Olivia Swayze is. This is me making a guess, but it's not often that you hear a, a voice actress playing a character who's older than than they appear to be. Like it's usually the other way around. Yeah. Like usually they'll go younger. I don't know. Like I was kind of expecting like an Elizabeth Maxwellian voice for Chihiro, and I didn't get that. I mean, it was fine. I would have done um, a little more drunk, but that's just me. I kind of felt a lot of times that Chihiro didn't have like a lot of heart in it. And she does have to have it, especially towards the end. And when she's trying to just give like these veiled lessons to the kids and they won't understand what she's talking about until like weeks later. And they're like, oh yeah, she did say that. I don't know. It was okay. I don't have anything like super critical to say about it. I mean, it was just there. I was very confused by it because I was like, Olivia Swayze, seriously? I, I like, I haven't heard her in anything else, so I don't have anything to compare her to. But, oh, you go. It hurts. It hurts me. I love Brittany Karbowski. I, this, this hurt though. Um, I'll talk about Olivia first. I've seen more stuff with Olivia in it because I've seen Review Starlight and I thought she was pretty fun. Okay, good. I think here she's she's also fine. It's a very serviceable performance. I would say out of the characters that we're talking about, I think she is the weakest performance of them all. Okay. Uh, mostly because I don't feel like she added anything to the show's emotionality with her performance. And this is a show that is incredibly dependent on its emotionality. Right. And, and here's the thing also too, like I expect her to be in the show more often and she just kind of was an afterthought and it's like, oh, she's done these things off screen, but there's no real like thing to be there. So I guess there's that. Oh God, Brittany Karbowski's character. Um, <laughs> Brittany Karbowski is at her Brittany karbowski Like level 20 out of 10. And that's fine because this character is at level 20 out of 10 who just needs to go die in the fire. Oof. Like, I know I shouldn't be saying that about like a 13, 14 year old girl, but this is what I mean by like the show at its worst. Let's be real. I'm not a person who likes a lot of really dumb fan service. Like everyone likes to think that I'm anti fan service and anti not safe for work. That is completely wrong. And I want everybody to know that. Like, hi, I buy a lot of porn. (laughs) I have a box of BL in my room. 
I literally have a fan magazine dedicated to Dimitri from Fire Emblem Three Houses having sex with different characters. I am literally waiting for a fan magazine to open up for Fire Emblem Three Houses depicting them all as different types of gods and it is 18 plus only. My Patreon, outside of Cartoon Cypher and like maybe a couple of other things, is dedicated to mostly not safe for work LGBT artists. Get it, girl. So hi, I am not opposed to sex or sexuality. I am opposed to a middle school girl being groped in the bathroom of a public bathhouse by girls who are at least two years older than her and having a nearly 18 year old guy say, don't worry, you'll grow into it after they have mistaken her for a third grader. It's not cute. It's creepy. Yes. Literally, the scene before they go to the public bathhouse because the bathtub is broken in that when she says, I'm in my third year, is they all say, wow, you're tall for a third year, as in they think she is a third grader. I honestly don't think the show would have lost anything if they just didn't have that character entirely. I get that it's probably there from the original light novel. I'm sure. There's a lot of points with the show, like, if it would have cut down the whole sometimes, it, it just wouldn't have, like, been that bad. And, and God bless Brittany for having to work through this. I think CisCon or BroCon characters are some of the worst characters that actors have to play. Yes. I feel bad for actors when they have to do it. And you're like, oh, well, it's acting. Yeah, it's also really creepy to play like a 15-year-old girl who wants to suck her 18-year-old brother's dick. Yes. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. Stop, 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 stop. It it just sucks because like I love Brittany Karbowski. Like and this is literally her at like a level that I have not heard Brittany Karbowski at in a very long time. And it's just annoying tiny child. Yeah, and it's not like she does a bad job being the annoying tiny child. No, she it works. Right. She does a good job because she's definitely an annoying tiny child, but oh man. I turned the volume down. This, although I will say this show has some really whack ass mixing. Like, yes. I don't know. I had to turn the volume up really high to hear most of it. But then anytime it was a Yuko episode, I was like, nope, <laughs> we're going down. down. Yeah, it's, it was very weird mixing. I don't, I don't know. But poor little Yuko. She just is there to annoy us and exist. I, I think the one other thing too is like, what a dick fucking move to tell your brother the wrong number about your entrance exams. Right. Just to surprise him. It's not a surprise, girl. That's that's some bullshit. Like, and here's the thing. I think it's an even bigger dick move that she actually got in the entire time because I thought it was really good foreshadowing that she failed so that it would set up all the other failures that were to come. Right. She didn't fail. I don't know. This... I, I could have done without Nico. I love Brittany. I love you, I keep Brittany. saying that. Because she wasn't bad. It just... It's the character, not her. Yeah, I got a thing with high-pitched noises lately. Maybe I'm losing my, my dog pitch or whatever. All right. So we've gotten all the, the sort of like side characters out of the way. And then we have the ones that made me scream and that probably broke me the hardest watching this every time um and that would be Jin Jean Mitaka yeah okay that was such a weird pronunciation because I thought his literally I thought his name was Jean like G-E-A-N not Jin yeah 
oh like in the japanese it's jin but then it was gene the whole time in the english and i was like cool <laughs> whatever at this point um and uh, misaki kamiyagusa who at one point in my life again was also basically me so i'm like this girl has my heart like that was me in high school like that girl was me so uh oh man Jean mitaka is played by scott gibbs oh scott gibbs Woo. who has played uh your boy kageyama in haikyuu sora in no game no life and uh hajime sugimoto in tata never falls in love and then misaki is played by everyone's best girl lucy christian who I know her as a duck from Princess Tutu. Like that's that's, that's my Lucy Christian role. Also the narrator from Okami-san and her seven companions, which sounds nothing like this. An Ochako from My Hero Academia and Nami from One Piece. Man. <sighs> these guys broke me. I'm like crying. Oh, about fuck. It. The two of them nailed these characters from the second the show started. Oh, they were so good. Like, misaki they label her as an alien and so she's like literally from another planet which means she runs around all the time and like makes comic book noises like zoom zoom pow bang boom yeah she's an incredibly talented person yes she is on a whole different planet literally and she is great and like lucy as her is just Oh, incredibly enthusiastic and excited, and it's wonderful. And uh, Gene is the the ladies' man. Gene's a little Blake Shepherdy. He's like the stereotypical Blake Shepherd character <laughs> in this anime, where he's like banging three married people on the side, and uh, once upon a time banged Misaki's older sister. I shouldn't say banged. He might, they might not have banged. I will say dated in air quotes. They dated. Yeah. He's just all over the place. But Misaki is completely in love with him. And he's so in love with Misaki that he is trying to like keep her. As pure as like, he no can. No girl can compare to her. Yeah. He's just. But he goes about it in all the wrong ways. And these two. Uh, Misaki more than Jean. Misaki kind of carries, I would say, a good three quarters of the emotional weight of this for me, just because that scene in the fucking Christmas episode where she's like, "I'm gonna tell him." She's like, "Everybody, get out of the get out of Sakura. Get out of the hall for the night." Yeah, like I'm gonna tell Jean that I love him today, and she's Misaki's known for dressing in crazy costumes and throwing like all these parties and super loud and super boisterous and everything and she's like you know what is she gonna dress up as is she gonna be an elf is she gonna be like a big polar bear like coming out of an igloo like what's she gonna do what's she gonna do to like is she gonna pop out of a cake and like have sparklers like everywhere? when it's jean's birthday and she literally makes a cabbage road and pops out of a box and nothing but ribbons yes <laughs> i gotta tell you a story about that but i'll tell you to you after we record the episode oh no <laughs> but uh she decides for Christmas to to tell Jean how she feels about him. And it's like this really literal naked emotional moment where she doesn't have any clothes on and she like... She's in a bath towel. Is she in a bath towel? I thought she didn't have yes. anything on. No, she's in a bath towel. Okay. She has a bath towel and comes up to him and, you know, she's basically like, I'm in love with you. And he fucking breaks her like right there. And I was like, oh God. I was like, my heart 
is broken. And this whole time that Lucy's playing Misaki as this excited, you know, full of life character who's always super happy and running around and, and playing with everybody. And now she changes her voice to make it like nothing. Like there's nothing there. And it, oh God, it broke me so hard. Oh God. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> he's got the box in his hands. Jeez, you coward! <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Like, I was texting, he was like, oh shit, he's got a ring. Yup, he's got a ring. He just, and he like turned her down. And I was just like, how? How could you do that? How? Like, that's the scene that always starts my emotional roller coaster watching this anime. And I'm just like, she literally gives everything she has to Jean. And you can hear it like in the performance. And once everybody comes home and they find her and she's just like Lucy's voice is like very small and like very kind of like flat and like they, they don't know what to do because she's just like so completely gone. Yeah, gone, not herself. And, you know, how do you comfort somebody in that in that moment? Like, what do you say? Like, what do you do? You can't really do much. Um, I mean, even if you've been in that situation, you know, what are you going to say? Oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. No, nobody fucking cares that that happened to you. Like, you got to focus on me now. Me, who's sitting on the floor crying. But it's like, it hurts. It hurts. And then the other time Misaki is like at the end, she gives this beautiful speech at graduation that I'm going to let you talk about because I didn't hear it dubbed. But on the sub, it still got me. Ugh. My heart. Sorry. It hurts. It's okay. My heart hurts. Please, please talk about this graduation speech so I can, like, cry some more. <gasps> oh my god. So, this is, like, the year where Megan... I think it's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer scene. Have you ever seen the image of Buffy, like, trying to eat the pancakes and there are just more people shoving pancakes at her? Yes. Okay, that is me with Lucy Christian this year. <laughs> It's literally, oh god, they're all so good. And Misaki is like, oh man, Misaki came out of nowhere. Because I actually didn't know it was her for a little bit. Like, I was on Pain Brain, so I got to play the game of Are You Lucy Christian, Brittany Karbowski, or Hillary Haig for a minute. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, no, this is Lucy. Um, Lucy Christian is probably one of the best performances in this show, bar none. For sure. Like, she carries so much of this weight because Misaki is such, of the two really eccentric artist character in the series, Misaki is a lot more fascinating as a character than Mashiro is. And I think it's the difference of Mashiro is associated with the color white, which is associated with, like, purity and being untouched and clean Mm -hmm. and jean wants to keep misaki untouched and clean because let's face it jean's kind of a piece of shit a little bit he he helps women cheat and he cheats on them himself he is kind of a jerk to people for no reason and twists and plays with people's emotions and then he pulls the christmas shit because he doesn't want to get her dirty which I think the show tries to paint it as he doesn't want her to get her dirty and be a bad writer for her. So that's why he goes to the school in Osaka to become a better writer. But when he said, I don't want to get you dirty, I, I read it more as I'm an awful person who's cheated and been really sexually promiscuous. That's what I read it as too. Like, 
You have to be a special kind of asshole to date a girl's older sister because she looks like her. Right. Like, there's a lot going on there. And that's one of the things I really want to compliment this series for is this series has a lot of really complicated main ensemble cast who all their problems are all vastly different from each other, but can parallel themselves in a sense. Like, Misaki and Mashiro are probably the two closest characters in terms of talent, but where Mashiro has kind of been more isolated, I think that Misaki has had color kind of thrown on her in a sense. And you can hear that in Lucy's performance. And the first kind of thing that really broke my heart about Misaki is when the principal tells her to go to Suime in the first place because there's no place for her in town, basically. Right, so she can make some friends. Like, because her only friend is Jean. Right. Who beats up other men for being awful about her behind her back. Like, they all think she's weird because she's doing all these crazy art things. But at the same time, they're like, well, if she's weird, she's probably really easy to sleep with. And she, like, she's kind of, like, sexy without even knowing it yeah. until she gets into high school, which is probably what prompts those boys to, to say stuff. And then yeah. and she kind of goes out of her way to do, like, dumb, horny stuff. Yeah. Which is probably in response to Jean so that Jean will look at her like she wants him to. I mean, there's a scene where Jean is, like, sleeping with a... A married woman in a nurse outfit yes so like she's just doing it so she can get his attention and it's it's not working but that's what he you know quote unquote seems to like because he's dating married older all these women. random married women yeah but like by the end of the show like it's definitely clear that they've finally gotten over that hurdle because they do kiss in the end and everybody screams Yay. Yay! And he says also, by the way, submit this marriage certificate when I'm back in four years. He does a little early. As she should. As she should. And then she moves in next door. I love her. I love Lucy's delivery of, I'm that cute new little housewife that moved in next door to Sakura Hall. <laughs> and then she just goes, hey guys! But <laughs> the moment that made me cry, and I'll get to Scott's performance in a minute. The moment that made me cry with Lucy is how genuine the speech at graduation felt for me that felt like she's obviously doing it to save sakura hall but her way of saying goodbye to all of them in that moment fucking killed me like where you you could hear her crying and her acting and just like the way she said goodbye and especially how she says goodbye to sorita really got me because one of the things I genuinely want to compliment about the show is that Sorita and Misaki are good friends that are male and female and there's nothing sexual between them. Yes. And that is so rare to get in anime. And like never at one point did I feel the need to ship them together. No. And the way that Sorita's actor talks to Misaki who's played by Lucy is fantastic. That graduation scene just is like there's a lot of moments for Misaki to nail, but that as her last big moment of like true eccentricity, where I think the thing that really gets me is that you can tell that none of the teachers actually like her either. Aww. And they're all shocked when she's being genuine. But because you as the viewer have watched the show so much, you know that she is a genuine person. Right. And just being able to have Lucy get that moment is just a testament to how good of an actor she's been over the years. And then, oh, Scott. <laughs> <sighs> huh. 
Oh, lordy. Uh, as my friend N1 has said, this is the most Scott Gibbs character to ever Scott Gibbs. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is the Scottiest Scott. Um, oh, God. Like, the second he died, I was like, yep, perfect casting. He really nails all of the sides to Gene, including being a slimy bastard. Yep. Because Gene's an asshole. My favorite delivery in the entire show is when Gene finally proposes up on the roof because they hold him down. Is that the teachers, including Ian Sinclair. <laughs> yes, Ian Sinclair's in this. I was like, there he is. There he Found is. him. Found him. Uh, when they break down the door and all the teachers are on the roof and the kids all go inside and he goes, teachers, thank you for your last three years. Suckers. And he just closes the door and locks it. And then as he's joining, it's like, oh no, this is going to be Soros' problem. Why? Third years aren't required to come back to school right now. Suckers. Suckers. And just, there's like this level of sensuality where he tells her he can't do it because he wants to keep her pure. And you're just like, <sighs> oh, this is heartbreaking, but damn, you're good. I know. And of I, course, let me get my good luck grope um, <laughs> to his to his fiance. Uh, like I, I really loved this. Like Scott here, like this is my character type. We all know this is my character type. Um, in the Japanese, when I watched it, I don't ever remember like feeling as much toward Gene as I did in the English. And I was like, yeah, I can believe he's off. You know playing doctor with these random people and then i was like yeah no i can believe he's gonna say that too some of the funniest lines in there where he's like he's not really hitting on sorta but sorta is seeing stuff that could be misconstrued as like pickup lines and then he's yes. like just playing right off of them and i was like oh yeah that's the best bl bl yes. ship that shit not really but uh, i i liked those like scott has a really good balance of comedic timing and just like sarcastic timing here and the sliminess is really slimy but I also found that the sincerity was very sincere like I felt that Jean was wrestling with a bunch of inner demons a lot of the time which is a testament to good acting because there's like a bunch of different ways that you could play it you could be all you know slimy lito asshole all the time you know and not give a shit you can have every line sound like a pickup line, but when it got towards the end and uh, him and Misaki were actually finding their way into a real relationship with each other, like it just felt very sincere and very kind of heartwarming to me that this is the way that it was supposed to be all along, but he couldn't do it because he was just scared, I guess. But mm -hmm. uh, Scott was so good in this. I was so happy. Because I haven't, I haven't heard Scott Gibbs in like a truly GG kind of performance since, I don't know, I guess Haikyuu, but I don't like Kageyama that much. Please don't hurt me. How dare you? No, I know. I know. <laughs> My favorite horrible. character is literally Sugawara and Bokuto. I still need to watch season two. Now that there's like five seasons of fucking Haikyuu. Let them dub season four, you fucking assholes. I was going to say, what about season three? And then I was like, oh, no, wait, I have season three. Yes. I've just never opened it. Cool. Cool. Ugh. All right. So we've had pain. Are, are you ready for some more pain? Yes. It's Nanami. I, I, ah, la, 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 la. Nanami Aoyama. Our favorite uh, Osaka. 
with the Boston accent. Boston. And she is trying to be a voice actor. She's painfully in love with Sorta. And oh, painfully in love with Sorta. Poor fucking girl deserves to win. Yeah. Oh my God. Talk about the rejection feels in this one. Um, She is played by Christina Kelly. And Christina Kelly was best girl Alice in Food Wars. Fight me, Noah. Alice is still best girl. Uh, she is also Claudine in Review Starlight. Oh, fucking Claudine. Who's Claudine? Claudine's the really bitchy Ochoops. Oh, one that's gay for Maya. Yo. And then she's also my girl Coco Kaga in Golden Time, which I heard her immediately just because I had just watched Golden Time. But this performance is like in a completely different stratosphere from the one in Golden Time. I gave it kind of shit there because it was like very over the top and very dramatic. And I was trying to figure out if there was any kind of like heart or any kind of emotion behind it or if it was just being super over dramatic with nothing behind it. And like a lot of the a lot of the way that Coco would speak was kind of like had weird melodic tones to it. It was just it was really weird. But holy shit. She's so good in fucking Pet Girl Asakura. So like I'm blown away by how good Christina Kelly was in this performance just because Nanami, much like Misaki, has a fucking roller coaster of emotions she goes through, too. She's always working so hard. She works a bunch of jobs and she's putting herself through voice acting school and her parents don't even want to be at this high school anyway. And she, you know, leaves her dorm to go hang out with the Sakura Hall people because she can't afford it. And, you know, she has to also be a voice actress who is getting training. So she also has to have kind of that, you know, she's voice acting as Nanami here, but she also has to kind of voice act as a voice actress. It's a weird thing that she has to do that kind of sort of differentiates certain parts from one another. And then at the fucking end, she has to completely fall apart and... Oh, geez. Um, it hurts. <laughs> it does. It hurts really bad because Nanami gets rejected not only by Sorata, but by her classmates in voice acting school. She gets rejected with her audition to join like a management agency to become a voice actress. Her parents rejected her. She She is not winning today, fam. And man, I felt this really hard. It really hurt. I was like, oh my God. She's like me because like I see myself in all these characters, right? So like Misaki was me in high school and like uh, Chihiro was me like a couple of years ago when I was single. And now Nanami is me like all the time because I'm always doing too much work and then I'm never getting, you know, what I feel I should get out of the work because of how much effort I put into it. And it's just, ooh. I don't know. Oh, it's I, a lot. I would like to explain my thoughts better than ooh, but I also, because I didn't get to see it dubbed, I want to know how that rain scene was from her. So I was warned about episode 21 going into it. Yeah. They're like, episode 21 is the one that fucking hurts. That's everyone's favorite episode of Sakura, so <laughs> is the one where Dio and his road roller comes for your heart. And there ain't no Jotaro to stop it. Uh, there's your second JoJo's reference. Never ask me for anything again. <laughs> so, 
I think the rain episode is where I went from Christina Kelly is doing really well to this to this is a performance that I think is Christina Kelly's best that I've ever heard. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I thought the part where she's on the bike with him. Yes. And she does the, the practice version of the speech, but it's not actually her practicing. Mm-hmm. And she says that kind of broken, I love you. And then she immediately goes, ha ha, just kidding. And you can kind of hear it. You can tell it's her faking. Like, everyone, like, sub fans will be like, oh, what a bad performance. She sounds so flat and so fake. That's the point, you dingus. Right. If you're gonna, you know, act, quote unquote, to tell a boy that you love him, and you're gonna throw it off afterwards. And have it be real, because you're being real and not faking it, which makes me wonder, maybe that's why she didn't pass her audition, was because she, she did the best take to him. We wasted the good surprise on you. <laughs> um, but man, that rain scene where she is just ugly crying and breaking down and talking about how it's not fair is just so fucking good for Christina. Like, like how I said, you could kind of tell, like, maybe Lucy was crying recording Misaki's speech. I could feel Christina crying in that moment. Oh, God. I absolutely loved it. I loved how Christina went from having that accent to it slowly kind of fading into part of her anger that her speeches felt genuine and heartfelt especially like Mm. the one where she yells at she yells at Sorta to tell her to stop being stubborn and then it comes back and she's like yeah I was being stubborn (laughs) I thought when she was being the the cat Ava yes when they were doing when they they were doing the live action uh, Evangelion Evangelion (laughs) Ivanga Lion. Ivanga Lion. <laughs> Who remembers that joke, guys? Okay, I have to ask, have you ever seen a video? It's it's a really dumb JoJo show. And it's, uh, do you remember the song He Lives in You from The Lion King 2? Yes. It's, okay, so the joke is that it's from JoJo's part four, where Okuyasu sees uh, Josuke's mom for the first time. And he's like, dude, your mom is hot. And then in the background, the song He Lives In You comes on as Kakuin fades into the sun behind him. (laughs) All I'm thinking is like, whoever visually edits this, can you please just slowly fade in a picture of Alejandro Saab? Yes, please. (laughs) And then just fade it out. (laughs) With just like the He Lives In You music just softly playing in the background so we don't get hit for copyright. Oh, God, my Um, heart. But, like, even when she's being the fake actress for that, where she's like, you can tell she's putting her heart into it. And, like, you can tell that Christina has to act like bad high school play acting. Uh, it was really cute, though. She's like, shout your love! love! And I was like, I love all the kids. And I was be like, the fuck? <laughs> like, come on. Why aren't you doing it? We need your help. This is the weirdest fucking episode of Darling in the Franks ever. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I'm also saying this, uh, Nanami should have won. Fuck you, Mashiro. I agree. That's the ship I wanted. But by the end of it, I think the best thing about the end is by the end of the show in the last episode where they're welcoming all the new kids to Sakura Hall, she sounded like a young adult and it worked and it felt right and it felt happy and warm and stuff. So that's all I've got to say. I I just, I was real happy with this. Like, 
I feel so much better inside that I knew when I watched Golden Time that Christina Kelly could act better than this. I think she had to be given the right material because she just fucking knocks it out of the park. So I'm very, very pleased and happy. And Anami broke me like, oh, it hurts, man. Like all that, this rejection, like, uh, anyway, I'm having a moment with myself over here because, um, yeah, I don't want to be rejected today. Let's not do that. No rejection. You guys love me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just I love lie. you. I love you too. Always. I always, always, I always loved you. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Wah, wah, wah. And you're just there wah. in that moment like, baby girl, no. <laughs> like, no, you're not kidding. Shut the fuck up and grab his dick. <laughs> Could be, you imagine? Be like Rita. Take a cue from the crass British lady. Oh, my God. All right, fam, we've come to the end of the road. We've got two characters left, and they are our mains, although one talks a lot and one doesn't talk at all, barely. We have the white, pure artist who of this world who is very famous in, in painting and just wants to become a manga artist, because fuck them. Why not? That's Miss Mashiro Shina. And then we have our main male protagonist, Mr. Sora Takanda, who's kind of like an everyman. He loves cats. He finally, like during the first quarter of the anime, has a goal for himself and decides he wants to be a game programmer, make video games, app games. Game designer. Yeah, thank you for the word that I can't think of. Yeah, he gets goals, which is great because his first goal was to move out of soccer hall and that didn't work out too well. And then... Mashiro, who I probably will call Masahiro at least twice during the rest of this. Um, she's very quiet and soft-spoken and can't do shit for herself except for draw. Like, Sorata has to put her clothes on, choose her underwear, dry her hair. Like, she's literally like a pet, hence the pet girl of Sakura So. Mashiro Shina is played by Caitlin French and Sorata Kanda is played by Greg Ayers, both classic Sentai actors. Um, Caitlin French played May in Say I Love You, Shiro in No Game No Life. And again, if you watch Golden Time, she played Oka. We did not. We did not like Oka in Golden Time. We did not oh, like Oka. No. But I gave her a pass, which I will explain as soon as I talk about Greg Ayers. Greg Ayers, who's my boy. Sena Izumi in Love Stage, my boy, Azusa Mukami in Diabolic Lovers More Blood, and not my boy, but still cool, Nagisa in Free. Greg Ayers has been around the block. Y'all know Greg Ayers. Y'all know Caitlin French if you watch a lot of Sentai dubs. Um, so the thing that I said about Oka was that um, she intentionally pitched her voice extremely high. So she was trying to act around a very high-pitched voice, and for most of it, it came out sounding very flat because it's hard to act around a voice like that. Um, so in the Japanese Mashiro, she's one of the very quiet types who the Japanese voice actress like whispers a lot and doesn't really have an up and down to the voice. But she also sounds very, very cute, like very cutesy. And Caitlin, I don't know, like, 
She didn't sound cutesy, but she got the whispery, breathy, quiet part down, which is probably the reason why I had to keep turning up the volume because I couldn't hear anything that Mashiro was saying. And she acted more through the fewer lines that she had using this tone of voice as Mashiro than what the podcast decided didn't happen in Golden Time. So I, I think that with this... She kind of redeemed herself from that, at least in my opinion, because I don't exactly know how an English version of Mashiro should sound unless literally you just monotone whisper. And I think she did what she could with it. Like towards the end when Mashiro started to become less of a pet and more of a person, when her real voice came out, like when she was shouting backstage at the festival... Like, I think it really came across as powerful when Caitlin wasn't whispering anymore. And I did kind of feel like just in the way she was speaking that, yeah, this girl needs some, she needs some help buttoning her shirt. Like, I don't know, like it just, she needed, she sounds kind of helpless. And I think as the anime progresses, Mashiro gets less and less helpless, which is good. And I felt that the tone of her voice changed a little bit, which was really helpful in kind of fleshing out that character. Um, I mean, it's not my favorite thing I've ever heard. Like, I'll be real with you guys. Like, Lucy and Christina, they carry the show as far as female performances are concerned. But I don't know what you, what you think about our girl. She, Caitlin French is an actress that I think is very hit or miss as an actress. There are times where... Like, she has to be used in a very, very specific way, Mm -hmm. I think, for her to work for a lot of people. And at first, I wasn't totally on board with her as Machiro, because I think she made Machiro sound a little too flat. Mm -hmm. But as the series went on and Machiro starts to, you know, develop a personality, I think that's where she started to excel in those more subtle changes. Instead of having to be like, Sarata, pick out my panties. Like, that stuff. (laughs) Like, yeah, or like Sora to do my hair. I think, however, there are two really big parts to her character that I think she didn't necessarily get right, and I think it might be on the directing. Okay, is when she tells Sora to, to get out of her body because Sora to said something, and she's starting to fall in love with him, and it's distracting mm-hmm. her. I remember. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that was executed as well as it could have been. And I think her actual scream at the festival was a little bit too flat. Okay. Um, But when you finally got towards the end where, especially where Sakura Hall is going to get destroyed, that is where Caitlyn absolutely nails this character. Okay, good. I think that is where she gets it. And the scene at the train station where she's like, I'm hurting you. And Sora's like, no, because I'm in love with you. You don't have to leave Sakura Hall. Sakura Hall isn't Sakura Hall without you. Like, that part, fucking great. Yay. Perfectly done. Like, at that moment, that is where I felt okay with Mashiro as a character. That is where I finally was like, alright, fine. You are a character I can get behind in this weirdo band of kids. (laughs) To me, I think that Mashiro always felt as more like a toy than a person. Right, like a little doll that everybody's dressing up. Yeah, and then when she finally became a person, I was like, okay, now I understand where do you fit in with this group of weirdos. So by the end of it, I was really, really good with Caitlyn's performance. And then uh, 
Greg as the the un the guy the pussy magnet Greg. Um, <laughs> literally. Literally. That man has more charisma than most harem protags. It's true facts, man. Let's be fucking real. It's true facts. Like, if I put a picture of Sorta, everyone would call him a dink. And, like, no way that this bastard could get, like, two, like, really hot girls, like, hanging off him. And I'd- But I'd be like, no, he actually has a personality and that's why he deserves it. And Greg is doing his Greg. That's not an insult. I like Greg Ayer's acting and this is very much what I expect from him. He excels in this role. I think I like Scott and Blake's performance a little itty bit better. But, like, this is what I love about Greg Ayer's performances. It's funny. It's a little high-pitched, but, like, when it's time for Greg to take his little spear and, like, stab it into your heart, like, hey, fam, uh, my character's having a good time. It'd be terrible if you just, like, tripped over and fell into a vat of lava. He gets it. <laughs> and that speech where he finds the letter from the game design company that they want Mashiro's art and not him. Oh, shit, yeah. Just, like, the amount of venom in Greg's voice during that scene of, well, this is just how the way it works. It's always for you and not for me. Because Rita's whole thing earlier that if you stay with Mashiro, she'll destroy you. Because Mashiro, she felt, took away all of her, like, fun and being an artist and drove people away. How that kind of almost comes true in the end. I was like, fuck you, show. Fuck you. I just got that now that you were saying it. God. Wow. The pain. How do you the feel pain. about Greg? You know, I, I hate to say, hey, it's typical Greg Ayers. It's really super consistent and funny and professional, but it's typical Greg Ayers. <laughs> really super consistent, funny and professional. Like, I hate saying that shit, but like... Greg Ayers is a really good seasoned voice actor. That gets a lot of hate for no reason. What? Why? People he's like, so oh, good. He's so high pitched, blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut up. Whatever. Fuck off. I bet you were high pitched before your voice broke too. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think he's great. And like in real life, he's funny. Like he has a lot of charisma. Like. I I love when I I love when I got my token Rambu book signed by Greg Ayers. He's like, Sword Daddy! I was trying to find my <laughs> Vanguard card of him! To which, by the way, yes, Greg Ayers plays Vanguard, and it's kind of fucking great. Oh my god. I I don't know, like, it's very hard to find a Greg Ayers performance that isn't inherently Greg Ayers. Like Senna in Love Stage, Greg Ayers. Um But that performance is so good. I know it's like my favorite. Oh, that's like extremely Greg Ayers. Um, I always, for some reason, remember him as the best friend in Clannad, and I don't like Clannad, but I will remember Greg Ayers as the best friend in Clannad until the day that I fucking die. <laughs> I just like, remember him I... because of videos of him getting his ass beat. <laughs> Not Greg, the character in Clannad. Right, right. Um, I think the one time that. Greg Ayers sounded different from what Greg Ayers sounds like is probably in Diabolic Lovers, where it just sounded like he's kind of like, I'm Greg Ayers, but I'm mellow and I'm going to eat you and then slice <laughs> you open with this knife on the wall or slice Greg Ayers as the best character in Diabolic Lovers because he takes the teddy bear and yeets it into the fire. And yeets it into the fire. No, I was going to say, if you really want to hear, like, does not sound like Greg Ayers at all, Track down Chrono Crusade. 
Okay, I would like to hear that. Track down Chrono Crusade and wait until he goes into the form of Big Chrono. You'll be like, the fuck, my dude? Oh my god, I would love that. But I love him normally, and I'm happy that he had gotten cast here because I really love this anime. And I'm glad that the main people were given to voice actors who... I don't want to say have a lot of experience, but I guess are a little more seasoned. Like, just because I love this so much, it's something that I wanted to hear. Like, if this were going to get dubbed in 2012, like, a good majority of the cast members could have still been cast in this in 2012 and made it work. But now they have, like, more experience. So it's like, you know, eight years later, they have eight more years of experience under their belts and they just made it sound even more wonderful so you know i don't want to throw greg a bone and saying hey it's greg Ayers being greg Ayers, but i like it when greg Ayers has lead roles like i think he does great in them but there is a camp of people who like greg Ayers and people who don't aka the people <sighs> who are right and the people who are wrong <laughs> <laughs> i like greg Ayers. i don't feel bad when he gets cast with things i was gonna say i don't know if you've ever seen it if you want another really good greg Ayers role where he isn't like the more high-pitched greg and gets to, like, throw his hat into some drama. Gridman! Oh, yeah, I've never seen that. He is uh, Brandon's best male friend in that show. And he is fantastic in that. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Also, Gridman, uh, best trigger anime. Fuck you, fight me comments. We. I don't like trigger anything. But... You'd like Promare because it's gay. You know, I just bought Promare in Pro a nice Mare edition. Promare is literally... Promare's literally the fight between a weeaboo himbo and his twink goth fire boyfriend. I, I like the colors. Not gonna front. That's why I bought it. Because I like the colors. Have fun with the explosion of colors. Yay. There's a lot of like fun colors in this anime too. Like It's very yes. artistic looking on purpose. I love it. And I love the first opening song, Days of Dash, which is like, you can't hear that piano version and not cry ever again. When they bring Days of Dash back for the end. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> the pain. The pain. Like, I watched the first episode and I, I heard that ending come up and I was like, I'm getting real nostalgic right now, fam. Like, oof. It good, though uh openings are okay i like the first opening better than the second opening but days of dash man days of dash is the song huh and speaking of good ending themes um that's pretty much the end of our episode except we got some final thoughts so i will let you take it away my dear my dear mashiro mashiron oh p.s i also like all the little uh nicknames that misaki gives everybody yes Mushroom. Retan. Ryu. Ponytails crying about now. <laughs> also, Ryu's shirts are like. Ryu's dumb shirts and his little. Oh, I'm sorry, his overall outfit is choice. Um, <laughs> Ryu's shirts reminds me of the director who did Sakura So, directed one of my other favorite anime that doesn't have a dub. Please tell me what they are because I'll watch them all. Okay, she she would direct it like five years later. Is she's also the director of a place further than the universe. Oh, okay. And Ryu's shirts made me reminded of the character Hinata in A Place Within the Universe, whose shirts are all just different Japanese foods. Oh my god. 
Also, fun fact, do you want to know what else that this lady directed? Yes, please. She directed Prince of Stride. Yeah! She also did uh, Hana Yamata and No Game, No Life. God bless. That's the best. I miss Prince of Stride. At my job, I have a Prince of Stride mouse pad, and like I've been working remotely forever, and I'm like, I really should go to work and get that mouse pad back. Go get it. My mouse pad is my Ferdinand von Eyre titty mouse pad. Oh, I have a boob mouse pad now, too. Chris bought me Charlotte Pudding for my birthday from One Piece. So I was like, oh, my wrist hurts. I guess I should get the boob mouse pad out. Oh, yeah. Also, apparently, the lady who directed uh, Sakuraso also co-directed the Supernatural anime. That shit's good. Have you seen that? (laughs) I've seen the abridge of it. Oh, man. It's got one of them. I can't remember if it's Jared or Jensen, but one of them's actually in it. But I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking love me some Supernatural. But if anybody fucking spoils me for the series finale, I will end you. Anyway, back because to I am 10 seasons behind. Anyway, back to the anime. Back to, to the anime. Um, no, I, I think the dub of this came out really well. Um, in terms of what this director has done elsewhere this year, I'd say it's like a solid number two from him. I don't know what I expected from this. I didn't expect it to be so horny. But by the end of the show, I genuinely was like... <laughs> I would die for these children. These are my kids. Especially for you. Um, And I think the dub really captured a lot of... I think the thing I want to say is when I finish the dub, like you always kind of have like a feeling with you. Whether it be satisfaction, disappointment, uh, even just being genuinely neutral or having no reaction is still an emotion. But the thing that came to me was by the end of this, I had a big smile on my face and I felt warm. Yay. And this dub felt warm. And that's a really interesting thing to say. Because when when it comes to dramas, sometimes they leave you, like, in fucking tears. And with jolt, like, um, like, stars align. Or they leave you feeling melancholy or wistful. Like, I'm staring my Machia poster right in the face. Oh, jeez. Which is also written by Mario Kata and is basically, like, my second favorite anime movie of all time. But Sakurasa is definitely worth checking out. I will say, though, if you are really opposed to bad fan service, the first half of the show will be a slog. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. the overall product, I think this is a really good dub. I definitely think the dub is worth checking out. I 100% recommend it. Yay! Um, So like I said at the beginning of the episode, Pet Girl of Sakurasa is in my top 10. It will probably always have a place in my top 10. Uh, most of the anime in my top 10 are the ones that fucking hit me where it hurts. I like those really kind of like emotional porn anime where I'm going to cry at them a long time. Um, and this one certainly makes me cry, especially with all the characters and the themes of like rejection and failure. Cause I know we've all been there, but it's, it's rough, man. And you get those feelings welling up inside of you and you're right back where those characters are. And I'm like, Oh, please stop. Like, I don't want it anymore, but I'm going to keep watching it. Um, and because this anime is so dear to me, I was just praying that the dub was going to be good. I really was because we had had it subtitled for so long and I was like, I'm okay with this. But then when I heard like miracles happen, I was like, Holy shit. I really hope it's good. Um, And then I was a little apprehensive because, like I said, I watched Golden Time before this and Golden Time goes with this. And I was like, 
Golden Time, if you haven't listened to the episode, is not a bad dub. It just takes a long time for the actors to get into their characters. And I don't like the writing. And this, although the writing is, again, very true to the, the Japanese translation, it... I don't know. I just, I was so happy that the casting choices and like the little Easter eggs, like the Boston accent were there. Um, I just felt like it was given a lot of love because the people who were working on it, like, I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoyed it a lot and it made me hurt and it made me laugh and it made me cry and it made me scream at the TV at some points. Um, and I think it's a fitting dub for the anime that I love so much. So I'm very, very happy that it turned out the way that it did. I liked the directing, the acting. Mm, I loved it a lot. Don't be shocked if you see some Sakura So in my dubbies, fam. Because it makes me feel all of the things. And... Oh, and thank you to Carly again for choosing this for us to thank talk you, about Carly. today. We're thank sorry, you, Carly. Thank you. This took so long. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been wanting to do this for forever and I'm like not that I needed an excuse to do it but as we all know the dub talk episodes that I like to plan out that don't have a deadline usually get put on the back burner for something my back was fucked up when we were supposed to first record this oh no <laughs> my back was fucked up and I didn't sleep on Christmas Eve oh god yeah I didn't sleep on yeah, Christmas Eve my Chris by the way Megan's Christmas can literally be described as being awake all night and just taking naps for three straight days not a bad way to spend the holiday not gonna front i yeah i'm not a big christmas person but it was interesting but i'm glad that we finally got to do this and thank you guys all so much for listening thank you to everyone on patreon who supported us and i'm gonna read the list off right now and i am excited because i know i'm gonna laugh at one point but here we go so thank you so much to our five dollar patreon tier to crimson echidna megan your mom and dad that's awesome. Oh, yeah, I did shit. I forgot to tell everybody that my parents, have... that was a Christmas present for my parents. They've decided to become our eternal Patreons. Oh, that's my so mom, cute. My mom wanted to be at the $10 tier so she could keep forcing us to watch It's a Wonderful Life because I hate that movie. And then I had to explain <laughs> to her we only do anime and animated stuff. That's amazing. That's so cute. Oh my god. I hope nobody else knows that yet so that they fucking lose it on episode. Well, I saw it and I was like, that's cute. I was like, that's amazing. Um, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazone. Here we go. I'm gonna try not to laugh. Are you ready? Yes. Nico Robin Butt with Yowie Hands. I didn't laugh. <laughs> Damn it, no, I did. <laughs> and, and Victor Mayberata, thank you guys so much. And then in our $10 tier, which you could tell us what to do the next Patreon raffle. It's a raffle. There's lots of rules with it, but you could possibly get your episode recorded. Thank you again to Carly, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you guys so much. Um, if you want to support us again, Patreon. We also have a Kofi tip jar and you can listen to Dub Talk on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcasts, Podbean, all that kind of stuff. YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast on I don't know if anything else is ever updated anymore. I said that the last time. We don't know. Lots of things. Follow us on social media. 
Megan, where can people stalk you? At Twitter on Queen Rarity, where I ship post, post pictures of my pets, including at the time of this recording, Bailey and her cones. My God poor bless. baby girl. <laughs> She's she's feeling the pain train also. She she scratched her eye at the time of this recording. So she has a little cone. And Chinya's now in her winter coat and kind of chunky. Oh. And you can follow me on Twitter or YouTube at Anime Palooza, where I talk about boys and Udapri shining live and the dumb shit I make my boyfriend watch, which right now is old episodes of Iron Chef. And um then I have to watch Jojo and he cries because he's so happy that I'm watching Jojo without putting up a fight. Not that I would put up a fight to watch Jojo, but we all know my favorite Jojo is part one and we're in part three now. So my time has come and gone. But at least, uh, at least Jonathan's got Dio's head now. It's giving, or Dio is giving Jonathan a head, some head. <laughs> Jonathan, the best Joe star. He did nothing wrong. Jonathan, Jonathan is the, at least the most loyal Joe Star. At least he hasn't cheated on his fucking wife. Right? Wait, what? Who cheats on his wife? You'll figure it out. Oh shit. Okay. Well, that's the trash you're here for. Apparently, I need to watch more JoJo. But did I forget anything? I think that's everything, right? Did you say where they could watch Pet Girl? Oh no, you can watch Pet Girl on High Dive at the time of this recording. The last four episodes aren't dubbed. Or you could buy it from Sentai Filmworks. I would do that. I would buy it. My high dive had parts of it cut off. Did your Blu-ray have parts of it cut off? No. Okay, good. Must be some weirdo high dive garbage, which... Yeah, not that I noticed. Yeah, at the end, like, it would cut off, like, parts of the ending theme. And no. go straight, like, into the, the teaser. No, my credits were fine. Okay, perfect. So yeah, go buy it. It deserves it. It's already been released once. Don't buy the sub only version, guys. The dub version is out there and on Blu-ray only. Don't be fooled. Those $2 right stuff DVDs do not have the dub on them. But yeah, so help support our friends at Sentai and, and High Dive and watch some great anime. And that's it. Um, So I'm ready to go take a ride on a bike and cry my eyes out. Zuto, Zuto, Aishteru. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm probably going to go play some (laughs) feet. All right, fam. Megan's going to get her league on. Yes. And I'm going to call my boyfriend and cry. Sounds like a typical. What day is this? Tuesday? Sounds like a typical Tuesday night. (laughs) All right. Yes. One of my favorite comics came back to me on Twitter. Yay. It's about about one of the, the Chinese cartoons I like, so. Even better. All right, fam. I hope your days are lovely. We will talk to you next time. As Stephanie says, otaku on. And as I say, love your faces. Have a good one. Remember, spay and neuter all your jeans. And your Spartans. God damn it. Hashtag Andrew is over party. Andrew is over party for balls no more. (laughs) Hashtag Noah Lewis canceled. What did Noah do? I don't remember, but he got canceled for something. Okay, bye Noah. See you in the dungeon. Adios. Oh yeah, Valentine's Day. Oh well, you guys aren't even gonna know what's <laughs> going for Valentine's Day. Oh man, if you thought domestic girlfriend was the deepest garbage, we will go. I've got one pressure suit and a trip to the Mariana Trash Trench. Here's your here's your spoiler. I didn't pick it, guys. So I did. It's not my fault. This time it's Megan's fault.
Yay, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.